0: Chapter 7 of A Little Queen of Hearts by Ruth Ogden This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Recording by R. R. Olja, a.k.a. Roots, of the podcast Better With Books A Little Queen of Hearts, Chapter 7. And now, good morning. Never in all this world was there a happier little host than Harold Harris, when he found how kindly his guests from across the water were taking to the life at windsor but who would not have taken kindly to it i should like to know the queen herself in her great castle on the hill could not have planned more for the comfort of her guests than did harold in his little castle beneath it and indeed this name of little castle had somehow attached itself to the pretty stone house with its round tower and moat-shaped terrace It had been an idle bachelor's fancy to build after this unique fashion some ten years before, but when Harold's mother had come seeking a home in Windsor, he was already tired of it, and she found the house was to be let, provided desirable tenants could be found, and desirable the little widow proved in the eyes of the discriminating agent. None more so, he thought complacently when he called for the first quarter's rent, and saw what a gem of a place she had made it all the contents of the house in london which after her husband's death had seemed too sad a place to live in had been brought into the ivy-covered little castle and under her transforming touch it had soon become as cheery and cosy as possible but it was not enough for harold that he was able to invite his friends into such an attractive home a room on the top story with a fine north light was fitted out as a studio for uncle fritz who though a business man by circumstance was an artist through and through. For Aunt Lou, an upstairs sitting room was converted into a little study. For although Aunt Lou herself was rather loath to confess it, it was nevertheless somewhat generally known that she was very fond of writing stories for children. For Marie Celeste, there seemed nothing in particular that could be done, save to make her own little room as inviting as could be. To accomplish this, Harold conferred with a friend of Ted's, Canon Allen's daughter miss allen who had been a great favourite of harold's mother was only too glad to have him turned to her and entered into all the preparations with an enthusiasm that was very delightful she suggested among other things a valance and curtains for the little brass bedstead already purchased and then went herself and selected a soft white material and superintended their making at her suggestion too the couch and chairs were upholstered with a pretty flower-patterned creton, and some lovely white-framed etchings were hung upon the tinted walls then by grace of his own idea of fitness harold had added to the other furnishings a dresden china toilet set and in this he was perhaps far wiser than he knew for is there anything so well calculated to captivate at sight the heart of a dainty little maiden as the mysterious round-topped boxes that composed the dainty outfit of the ideal dressing-table then to crown it all a pair of ponies and a basket phaeton had been purchased for the exclusive use of the guests that were to be of course all this meant money but with the exception of the previous summer when theodore's guests had cost him such a pretty penny harold had conscientiously lived a good way inside his income so that there was a reserve fund to draw on on demand as i said then who would not have taken kindly to the life at windsor under such conditions and have lost no time in stowing themselves happily away in the special niche prepared for them so mr harris painted as for dear life in all weathers indoors or out as the fancy struck him and mrs harris turned her leisure to account for a bit of writing now and then and in between times they drove hither and thither in the basket phaeton and one by one took in all the sights of old and delightful windsor and marie celeste did likewise as far as the driving and sight-seeing were concerned but having no greater responsibility than the arrangement of the dresden boxes on the little dressing-table wandered about at her own sweet will in the hours while harold was at school and when everyone else was busy and the place to which she wandered most often was to st george's chapel which at the time of her talk with donald she had not yet had the good fortune to visit But with Marie Celeste, as with some of the rest of us, to know St. George's was to love it, and she had soon gained a standing permission to go there whenever she liked. And that was very often, so often, in fact, that anyone who saw her one lovely May morning tripping down the walk from Little Castle, as though bent upon some special errand, could easily have guessed her destination. It was a matter of five minutes to reach the corner of High Street, and of three minutes more to climb Castle Hill then a smile to the guard who happened to be on duty at the gate and she was within the castle walls and once there she stopped to take it all in for it had never seemed so beautiful before and then in a moment she knew what new touch had been added to the scene the sun had shone as brilliantly and the grey round tower with its grass-grown terraces had stood out as clearly against the blue of the english sky but never before for marie celeste that is had those terraces been a bloom with great masses of lilacs two days had come and gone since her last visit and the showers and sunshine intervening had flashed the myriad tiny buds of every cluster into full and transcendent bloom no wonder the child held her breath spellbound from sheer delight and no wonder too that the spell lost its power to hold her the moment she spied a darling new little friend of hers standing in the chapel doorway and and now good morning rang out a cheery little voice as she had hastened up the path good morning albert answered marie celeste smiling at the expected and now with which by way of getting the best of a tendency to stutter albert was accustomed to preface many of his remarks i thought i should find you here she added and have you seen the lilacs albert yes and our bushes are out too with an emphatic little nod of the head as much as to say that the queen of lilacs were not specially privileged in that direction is your sister going to play this morning asked marie celeste with an eagerness on her face that gave place to intense satisfaction as albert answered yes she's coming in a little while since to have miss Allen at the organ during these visits of hers to the chapel was just the most delightful thing that could possibly happen for marie celeste and now let's have a little chat said albert seating himself on the step and making room for marie celeste beside him and what shall we talk about the weather for with albert this topic was always of paramount importance and first i'll see what kind of a day we are going to have and suiting the action to the word he stepped off a little distance to take an observation he was always the embodiment of dainty freshness this little four-year-old albert and thanks to his mother's preference boyish percale dresses still kept the lilliputian trousers of the period at bay he was a cunning little object as he strode a few feet down the path his hat on the back of his golden curls a soft red silk sash knotted soldier-like at his side and his hands folded behind him in evident and precise imitation of some older observer of the elements his observations however were so exceedingly cursory and so impartially comprehensive including the path at his feet every whit as carefully as the sky above him that marie celeste had difficulty in preserving proper decorum we are going to have a fine day albert asserted resuming his seat on the steps and with the authority of one who knows and the matter of the weather being thus satisfactorily disposed of marie celeste made so bold as to introduce another subject and as it chanced to meet with albert's approval they chatted merrily together for ever so long meantime a party of tourists with marshall's familiar pink guide-hook open in the hands of one of them had been surveying the chapel at a distance and now after a word or two with the children on the doorstep made their way within is mr brooke in the chapel albert asked marie celeste yes sighed albert for he knew that his answer meant an end to their chat FOR WHENEVER DURING THESE VISITS OF HERS A PARTY OF TOURISTS WERE SO FORTUNATE AS TO SECURE THE SERVICES OF THE verrier MR. Brooke, MARIE CELESTE INVARIABLY FOLLOWED IN THEIR TRAIN, LISTENING TO EVERY WORD AS IT FELL FROM THE GOOD OLD MAN'S LIPS. SHE ALREADY KNEW MANY OF THE MONUMENT INSCRIPTIONS BY HEART, BUT THAT MADE NO DIFFERENCE. FOR HER, THE OLD CHAPEL POSSESSED A NEVER-ENDING FASCINATION, AND SHE RARELY CROSSED THE THRESHOLD OF THE CHOIR, WHICH WAS A BEAUTIFUL CHAPEL IN ITSELF, WITHOUT AN ACTUAL THRILL OF PLEASURE so as albert had expected this morning proved no exception and he was unceremoniously left to communion with his own thoughts upon the doorstep but it did not prove a long separation in their tour of the chapel the travellers from across the water had but reached the wonderful cenotaph of the princess charlotte when a sweet single chord from the great organ broke upon the air as though the player simply wanted to make sure that the instrument would respond when the time came but in that single chord lay a summons for marie celeste and for albert at least they chose so to regard it and meeting at the foot of the organ loft stairway they climbed it hand in hand so here you are said a very sweet-looking young lady turning to greet the children from her seat on the organ bench seems to me i would have waited for more of an invitation than that just that one chord you needn't mind bout inviting us ever dorothy said albert climbing onto a cushioned bench at his sister's side "'Cos we'd tom anyhow, wouldn't we, Marie-Celeste?' "'Yes, Albert, I think we would. But you really don't mind having us, do you, Miss Allen?' "'No, I really don't,' in imitation of Marie-Celeste's frequent use of the word. "'In fact, I rather like to have two such everyday little specimens near me here in this chapel, where so many great people lie buried. And now I shall not say another word, because I want to have a good practice. But you'll—' And then Marie-Celeste thought perhaps she had better not ask it stop in time for your favourites laughed miss Allen, finishing the sentence yes of course i will perhaps you'd like them now you and albert no no dorothy said albert firmly we want to think they are tomin, and not that they're over and as marie celeste was evidently of the same mind that settled the matter then for the first time the tone of the organ rang out full and strong and the visitors in the chapel below looked up with rapt faces to the gallery as though for them as for marie celeste the sweet music seemed to lend the last perfecting touch to the holy enchantment of the place for over an hour with scarce an interruption miss Allen played on and on and marie celeste never stirred from the choirmaster's chair in which she sat absorbed and entranced albert it must be confessed had made more than one mysterious sortie down the gallery stairs as though bent on an important errand which had just occurred to him but in each case he brought up in rather aimless fashion in some remote corner of the chapel so it was easy to comprehend that the only real purpose in view was to give his restless little four-year-old self the benefit of a change he was absent on the third of these little excursions of his and was surreptitiously amusing his audacious little self by seeing how it seemed to sit in the queen's own stall when hark yes that was going to be the roseate hues, and with a bound that came near bringing the royal draperies with him, he was out of the stall in a trice and fairly scrambling up the organ stairs. Bidin aden, it isn't fair. Bidin aden, Dorothy, please, he urged, with all the breath hurrying and excitement had left him. And Dorothy, at sight of his anxious, entreating face, resolved to begin again, first bringing the interrupted measure to a close with a brief concluding improvisation of her own albert understood and brooked the momentary delay as best he could but he confided to marie celeste in highly audible whisper that he didn't see why dorothy couldn't stop short off in the middle of a piece if she chose to he could anyway he knew he could perhaps said marie celeste far wiser than she knew you couldn't if you were really a great musician and then instantly both children stood still and motionless for there was the familiar melody again de roseate hues of early dawn hummed albert in a cunning to himself sort of way de Biteness of de day de kimsen of de sunset sky how fast de fade away and then the same verse through again and still again as dorothy was good enough to repeat the brief sweet strain for his special delectation it is doubtful if albert appreciated the pathos of the lines it was the rose hue of the sunrise and the crimson of the sunset wedded to the lovely melody of the refrain that brought such rapture of delight to his color-loving soul and now it was marie celeste's turn and the martial strain of the son of god goes forth to war woke the old chapel echoes three times as for albert the air was played effectively through and then miss allen slipped down from the organ bench and into the nearest chair i wish i had strength just once she said to play as long as i should like to then you'd never stop dorothy not even at the ends said albert looking comically doleful at the mere prospect of such an undesirable state of affairs i remember mr belden told me on the steamer said marie celeste with the air of one who settles down for a good talk with a familiar friend, of some musician who heard someone strike two or three chords and then suddenly stop, and after that he could not get a wink of sleep till he jumped out of bed and rushed to his piano and struck the chord that belonged at the end of the others. "'Yes, that was Handel, I think,' said Miss Allen. "'Handel,' repeated Marie Celeste, "'I want to remember that name and everything else besides, if I can, that Mr. Belden told me.' who is this mr belden marie celeste oh he was the queerest english gentleman an english gentleman that i met on the steamer i don't think many people liked him he said himself they didn't anyway but i liked him and we grew to be friends and we had a long chat together almost every day what about asked albert eagerly since chats were just in his line oh often about books and a great deal about the castle here for he seemed to know all about it besides he was reading a book called royal windsor and that was how i came to know him because i knocked it out of his hands accidentally and then i had to ask him to excuse me and that's the way we commenced to be friends after that he told me a great deal about what he had been reading and did you ever hear albert about a little french girl who was made queen of england and came to live in the castle when she was only eight years old and who used to come to this very chapel no never with eyes as big as saucers well some day albert i'll tell you all about her and some other things that happened right here in st george's you know about her don't you miss allan yes a little madame la petite reine i believe they called her but tell me more marie celeste about your steamer friend he must as you say have been a queer sort of person to tell you people didn't like him i guess it was true though he seemed kind of a selfish man and looked so cross until you came to know him that i was really very much frightened the day i knocked the book out of his hand he isn't ever very well and he has to keep travelling about for his health i think that's one reason he looks cross but he's very handsome and papa says very aristocratic i would rather hear about de little queen remarked albert demurely hush dear said dorothy i want to hear about this mr Did you say his name was Belden, Marie-Celeste? Are you sure it was Belden? Yes, sure. I have it at home on the printed list of passengers. And another queer thing about him, for there was real pleasure in enlarging on a subject in which her listener took such undisguised interest, was that he told me one day that he had too much money. That was funny, wasn't it? And he said he thought life was very stupid. He just seemed all out of sorts with everything, and I got him to read the story of a short life, i thought it would do him good and i'm sure it did i don't know about that story either said albert aggressively and as though such constant allusion to very interesting things was really more than could be patiently endured but he found to his sorrow that his gentle protest seemed to make no impression whatsoever i fancy it was mr belden too continued marie celeste as though wholly unconscious of any interruption who asked them to sing the son of god goes forth to war at the service in the saloon sunday morning i think anybody who reads the story of a short life must love that hymn don't you that's the reason i'm fond of it whenever i hear it i seem to see the soldiers in the church at Asholt and the v c out on the doorstep singing the beautiful words loud and clear so that dear little leonard would hear and then the hand pulling down the curtain at the barrack master's window so that the v c knew at once that the little fellow had gone to heaven at last "'Yes, it's a beautiful story,' said Miss Allen thoughtfully. But meantime, matters had reached a climax in little Albert's heaving breast. If nothing was to be explained, there was no use staying any longer, and he summarily took his departure. And but for his childish reverence of the sacred place would doubtless have stamped his indignant way down the steps of the spiral stairway. Miss Allen smiled significantly and rose to follow.' From all you have told me, Marie Celeste, your friend might well be Theodore's uncle, said Miss Allen, as they made their way down the stairs. He and Harold have an uncle, their mother's brother, a Mr. Harold Selden, who was very much the sort of man you describe. Oh, no, I'm sure that couldn't be, Miss Allen, because I talked about Harold often, so that he would have known and told me, and he would have told me too if his name had not been Belden, you know. Miss Allen was not so sure of that but albert was mounting the wall of the terrace to which he had led the way in rather dangerous fashion and miss Allen hurrying to lift the little fellow to a safer level the conversation ended abruptly isn't it beautiful she said as marie celeste joined her at the same time lending a hand toward a less ambitious bit of climbing with which albert was fain to content himself marie celeste looked away over the tops of the fine old trees that just reached to the terraces from the steep decline of the slopes below, way to the lovely meadows, and then turned to look up at the castle, leaning comfortably against the wall at her back. Yes, she said seriously, I can't find any words for it all. Her face fairly aglow with enthusiasm as she spoke, everything is so perfectly lovely, the views, and the towers, and the castle itself, and the chapels, and the wonderful long walk, so that it seems as though I was just dreaming it all, even to the little room Harold has fitted up so beautifully for me. "'I was sure it would look very prettily when it was finished,' said Miss Allen complacently. "'Why, did you see it?' "'Why, of course I did. Hasn't Harold told you that I selected the curtains and the valance and the hangings and went with him to buy the set for the toilet-table?' "'Oh, yes, of course he did. I don't know what I was thinking of. You used to know Aunt Grace very well, didn't you?' Yes, and I loved her with all my heart, and I used to spend a great deal of time at the dear little castle. Do you know much about Ted, Miss Allen? No, not much, dear, not nowadays. But why do you ask? Oh, because—well, I suppose I ought not to say it, but we're awfully disappointed in Ted. He wasn't ever half so nice as Harold, was he? Oh, yes, he was, just as nice every bit, though we English people think that word nice of yours is so very queer. You have heard, haven't you? For Miss Allen was quite willing to change the subject. Of the Englishman who said to a young girl whom he met on the steamer, You Americans use nice so much, I think it's a nasty word. And of how she turned and archly said, And do you think nasty is a nice word? Dude for her, said Albert, thankful that the conversation had once more grown intelligible. But nobody thinks Ted is so nice now, do they? For Marie Celeste preferred to keep to the main point. "'No, I'm afraid not. But they would, if he would let them, I'm sure. For he had the makings of a splendid fellow in him. He used to be Dorothy's best friend, didn't he, Dorothy?' "'Yes, he did, Albert, and I miss him very much. He and Harry are great friends still. Harry's my big brother, Marie Celeste.' "'Why doesn't he come to see us now, Dorothy?' Albert questioned. "'He's tired of us, perhaps. And Marie Celeste, looking up at Miss Allen's sweet face, wondered how that could be and then asked very seriously do you know what has changed him miss allen oh yes it is easy enough to tell oxford and popularity and more money than is good for him like your friend mr belden it takes pretty strong stuff to withstand that combination well i know one thing said marie celeste and that is that he isn't at all nice to harold and that he comes home very seldom and is very high and mighty when he does come high and mighty queried albert with a whimsical little smile that must be a funny way to be and then miss Allen, more impressed than ever with the doubtful propriety of discussing mr theodore harris's shortcomings under existing conditions looked at her watch and discovering it was time to go home asked marie celeste to come with them to luncheon no not today, thank you mamma will be sending to look me up if i don't hurry home myself so good-bye good-bye albert With a kiss, which the fast maturing little fellow was half inclined to resent, and thank you ever so much for the music. Shall you play on Thursday, Miss Allen? Yes, at this time, probably. Then I shall surely come. So shall I, chimed in a little voice with even firmer determination. End of chapter 7. This recording was by R. R. Olja, a.k.a. Roots, of the podcast Better with Books.